0: check my level again just make sure I sound handsome which I think I do okay yeah I'm good
1: welcome 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 everybody to the middle brow culture warrior we're very excited to be here with you today and we're excited to talk about all these things and news stories and items that are on our minds I'm Danny Kelly-Songs. I'm here with my co-host, Pete Camel.
0: Hi, Danny. How you doing? Doing great. I had a question for you here on this awful depths of winter. Outside my window, it looks like God is fumigating. It is misty, and it is cold, and it's going to get wetter somehow with this atmospheric river. So what I'm hoping that you might have is a little bit of spark, a little bit of of whimsy
1: to help me out of my... uh, blues you got anything pete i got a little something and so to beat these winter blues my wife and i in end of february we're headed to the dominican republic we're very excited to go we're going to punta cana In uh, the Dominican Republic, and uh, we're very excited to head there. However, not all of us are so lucky, nor can we all wait till the end of February. So I've got a little bit of sunshine for you just now. Perfect. And here it is Pete, I want you to tell me, do you agree or disagree with the following statement with qualifications? Here's the statement Nobody's perfect. I think we all agree on that. Totally. But most people, let's say 60 to 70%, maybe even more, though all the people without this sort of imposter syndrome or crippling anxiety or whatever, most people secretly believe that they are very close to being perfect or, or at least that they're pointed in the right direction and they're striving as valiantly as is humanly possible towards that perfection that we all objectively believe is impossible, but secretly believe that we're capable of agree or disagree. Disagree. Really? Oh, I can't imagine that
0: 70% of the people feel like they're just on the right track and doing the right thing and just heading in the right direction. No. Oh, it's got to be like 10%.
1: 10% believe that they're secretly believe that they're actually. When, when they say, oh, nobody's perfect, you think only 10% are like, well, nobody's perfect, but I'm pretty damn close.
0: Right. Like you think like what percentage of the population feels comfortable sitting in judgment of the rest of
1: the population? No, 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 no. Not sitting in judgment. Just thinking like, yeah, but what I've got going on in my life and what I'm doing is more or less the right thing.
0: You know, here's what's interesting. It might be closer to that than I think. So that sounds crazy to me, right? Like, dude, I I like, I spend so much time thinking about things I'm like doing wrong. Like I can like lie down in bed and be like, oh, I'm tired and like some remark I made to somebody in fourth grade comes back in my head and I'm like, ah, damn it, I was an asshole about that. You know, like like that's what I think. But there was this really interesting poll of Congress all the time. Like Congress gets, as an institution, gets like the lowest grades possible for public trust, right? It's yeah, like yeah. 10% of Americans think Congress is doing the right thing. But almost everybody loves their Congress person. That's right. That's right. That's exactly what So we're so gonna, so yeah. in aggregate when I look at it, I'm like that's fucking crazy man. But Individually, you're right. Maybe it's like, no, no, no. No one believes that except for me. Like, you know, you're right. Maybe
1: I think everyone legitimately believes that nobody is perfect. But then when it comes down to it, everybody sort of secretly harbors this thought that like, well, nobody's perfect, but I'm pretty goddamn close. And I'm I'm working as hard as I possibly can towards the sort of goal of being perfect. And the reality, I think, this is my take, is that we all kind of live in this soup of cultural relativism where we don't really feel comfortable judging others or saying that, you know, this is better than that or the way I'm doing things are better than, than those. But we all sort of have this juvenile, deeply implanted belief that like, that's all well and good, but I'm pretty goddamn sure I'm on the right track, the path to heaven or the path to whatever. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like we all sort of think we're pointed in the right direction and walking uh, valiantly toward that goal. I find
0: that I'll have these moments where I'll like, it's the, like, let's say you're starting a a new job or uh, a new routine or activity or whatever relationship, whatever it is. And, And as you're into that, when you look back on it, you're like, man, I had no idea how much work was ahead of me when this began. Like, look, look at all this time that's passed. If I had known all the stuff I was going to do between then and now, would I have still made this decision? You know what I mean? Like, oh my gosh. It's like, in retrospect, it seems really daunting. But I assume that you would never start anything unless it was at least somewhat appealing, right? There's very few times where you're just like, this is going to suck. I'll do it. You know, like mostly you're going to make choices towards, I want this to be better. You may not realize how far you have to go or that you're like, man, I feel like I'm on the right track. Like you might be, that dream might be 6,000 miles
1: away from you, you know, but it's generally in the right direction, I suppose. So do you believe, and I'll confess that I believe that what I'm doing right now with my life, big picture on a day-to-day basis, medium term, short term, I believe that what I'm doing is generally speaking the right thing. And I feel very strongly. I'm very strongly in support of, of sort of the way I live my life and the things that I do. But do you feel that way? Or are you, are you sort of in a place of self doubt or Yeah, I I think super cultural more... relativism where you're, where you're kind of like, well, I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And maybe other people are doing it better, but here's where I'm at and I'm sure it's not perfect and whatever.
0: Yeah. I'm more like that. I think, I think I'm more critical of where I'm at than you are of where you're at. Mm-hmm.
1: Last bit of whimsy, and Pete, this is not for you, <laughs> this, is, this is for the general population, because you know why, Pete? Because you do not even own a soda stream, or any of I its uh, generic uh, equivalents, but for all you millennials out there, why do we drink cans of seltzer when we have soda streams? We've got these things that create sparkling water for very cheap, for there's economies of scale, it's incredibly cheap, we can make these things, they taste better, everything's better, and yet, We crack open cans of seltzer like there's no tomorrow, like global warming doesn't exist. We just do not care. And we're constantly cracking open these. You know, we go to the store and we're like, well, $3.99 for uh, bubbly is a pretty good price. So we buy six packs or whatever. We bring them home. And yet our soda streams just sit there unused. And we just continually drink cans of seltzer. So this is all rhetorical because, Pete, unless you've got a take on this. Uh no, I just
0: I believe in the convenience of the canned seltzer.
1: Yeah, the convenience is there and yet the soda streams are also there. Why do we continue going to the cans? I don't know. I honestly had no idea soda stream was still a thing. There was
0: a time like maybe five, six years ago where SodaStream was like making a huge brand push. You saw it like on all social media, yeah, and like yeah, everybody yeah. was talking. And then it's just like, I, I didn't even know they were still making SodaStreams. It's like, what's the other one? The Peloton. Like, is that still a thing? Or Are they still innovating Peloton or?
1: Yeah, no, Peloton is still a, a very high quality product. We have both a Peloton and a SodaStream, right? Which is the yeah. better product? It's hard to say. The Peloton's more expensive. It's a high, high quality exercise bike. We love our Peloton. We also love our off brand soda, um, <laughs> yeah, soda stream. But there's something deeply interesting and psychological going on with the fact that we all have these soda streams that we know are better th- for the planet, which we care about. We don't want to crank out like aluminum cans over you know I think you do
0: though I think aluminum's the one thing if you could make an environmental change like an environmental change that would have some of the most impact would be just switching things to aluminum to like, aluminum alu- yeah aluminum's the goods man aluminum like can be reused the most, it's easy to melt down, it's easy to sanitize, it's lightweight, it's easy to ship, it's easy to pack. It has no known carcinogens or problems because we've been dealing with aluminum for you know 80 years or whatever it is. It it is like, instead of having any plastics, everything should be in aluminum cans. You would have unbelievably great levels of recycling. It is sturdy stuff, it's like great. Like drinking something out of a modern day aluminum can I think is probably the better environmental option. The problem is how much plastic we use cuz it's cheaper and it's easier to get to people for that convenience, right? So I think that interestingly aluminum's like not really the problem. Bottled water's your problem. And why do you have bottled water when every faucet
1: in my house pours out clean sparkling water? Well, you live in the Pacific Northwest. You live in the lap of luxury where the water tastes okay. It doesn't taste as good (laughs) as the Brita water or the Brita water that's been cooled and pumped through the soda stream, which are. Real quick question for you. Have you ever had, you ever lived somewhere where the water tasted bad? You ever lived
0: somewhere and like gotten a glass of water out of the kitchen and been
1: like, ugh. No, I have not.
0: Yeah, me neither. I've traveled to those places. Have you drank water there?
1: Yeah, you go to Nevada, you go to Vegas or whatever, and you drink the water and you're like, "Eh, it's not. It's
0: gross. This is not water. There's something about hotel water that all tastes the
1: same to me, but. Yeah, but I in different know. parts of the country, in California, Nevada, whatever, it tastes awful.
0: I also understand that New York has, like, the best water. No way. I do not believe that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it has the, they built these giant aquifers that go up into the Catskills that run you right down into New York City. build
1: aquifers. Yeah,
0: they did because they built no. them in, they dug them out and blasted them like during the Works Project Administration, right? It was like 19, it was like 100 years ago. And they built in all of these big tubes and that's like the trick with like New York pizza, all that stuff. They're all like, it's the water, you get this water straight from the Catskills, Is the best water there is. It just seems counterintuitive, but New York City people will rave about their water.
1: Okay, so to recap, no, Pete, no strong take on why we're going for the seltzer cans when we have SodaStream sitting on standby. However, you disagree that nobody's perfect and yet everyone secretly believes that they are very close to being perfect.
0: I'm unsure on that on the latter. My tendency is to believe that no one thinks that they're that good at stuff. But also, I think maybe you're right, secretly, individually, everyone kind of thinks they can do it. You know, like, like this is one of those arguments you always talk to people. They're like, okay, what's the largest animal you think you could take in a fight yeah like can you can you take a cat in a fight like a house cat like probably i'm sure i'm sure i can most dogs no no question there's there's dogs that get big enough where it's gonna get tough i don't know if i can take a pit bull but how about that malayan
1: taper at the woodland park zoo could you
0: take that sucker (laughs) right just kick it into its soft underbelly like how would you even take it you just you just Punching on top of its head, you're grabbing its little trunk and holding it back, trying to choke it out. Like, I'm not exactly sure, but yeah, I'm pretty sure I could kick that tapers ass, right? But like, but then like, do you think you could, do you think you could kick a deer's ass? Absolutely not. You
1: don't think you could kick?
0: You could, that, have you ever seen a deer?
1: Yeah. You mean like, you let's seen talk about person? A, a doe or a buck? Doe. Female you don't deer, think you but could full take grown. A, dude, they don't have any way to do
0: damage. That's the thing about deer. You are completely wrong about deer hooves, the kicking and the damage. You think a, you ever a, seen a deer get stuck in something? It is like the most violent. It's got these razor sharp hooves. People get killed by deer all the time. They crash into you and stuff. They're big. They're bigger than you think. You go stand next to a deer. I put you and a deer in a boxing. Wild deer. It's just prancing around, freaking out, looking around, yeah, and you're yeah. saying, "Okay, fight it." There's no way. I don't think there's any way I could take a deer down. You think that the deer just will kill me? I don't think. I don't know if it'll kill you. Fight. Where?
1: Let's say. Let's say the deer. Let's say the deer wants to kill me. Okay, um, and I want to kill the deer in a hand-to-hand, no weapons, nothing. You think you think the deer will? Uh, you think I'm uh, betting on the deer. I think the deer has a way better
0: chance of subduing you before you have of subduing it. How? Tell me how you do it. Would you punch it in the face? <laughs> would you? Would you make a rush for the neck and try to hold it down? Would you? Would it's you try to tear the ears
1: off or bite? I mean, what probably, would you do? It's probably a grab, pin, and strangle maneuver. <laughs> Yeah, right. You you got to think. But then think
0: about think about how hard it's going to be to strangle a goddamn deer. <laughs> you got this thing on the ground. How much does a deer weigh? How much do you think a female deer weighs? Let's say it weighs 130, what?
1: 140.
0: 130, 140. You got this thing on the ground. It is scrambling. Everything about it's sharp. You're going to wrap your arm around
1: its neck. No, only, it's, hoo- choke it only with your hands. its hooves are sharp. Let's not say everything about it is sharp because only its hooves are sharp.
0: Yeah, but it's like it's gonna like headbutt you. It's gonna elbow and knee you. It's gonna thrash. It's gonna buck and kick. It's crazy. And you're gonna grab that thing, but with your hands, or you, you're gonna put it like in a like in a headlock with your arm around it, and like sleeper hold it down. Can you even do that to it? No, you're right. No but how's it how's it gonna kill me? Getting back on its hind legs and then doing those front kicks as you come at it, and it's basically got knives on the end of its hand, and it's probably got about it's probably got reach on you. It certainly can have you ever seen a deer jump? It can spring over your head. I just think you're hosed in that in that ring. What so okay, let's say you can beat a deer. What's the next biggest animal you can beat up? Do you think you can take a cow? A domestic cow? Dairy cow.
1: I can't kill a dairy cow, but neither can it kill me. With your bare hands? This is a cat's game. We fight to a draw. <laughs> I cannot. There's no way I can kill a cow with my bare hands. But I don't think so, right? What would I you guarantee- do? I guarantee you, there's no cow. I mean, dairy cows are slow. I cannot run any dairy cow, so all I have to do is run away. See, I don't think
0: they're as slow as you think they are. And now you're talking about something with real weight advantage. Oh, now you're talking huge about something that's got you that's got you by a few hundred pounds. All it's got to do is land on you. But they have all no, it's got to do is push you up against something. The agility, step on you. The agility. Have is you ever zero. have you ever seen rodeos?
1: Well, those are those are not
0: dairy cows.
1: I know, but I'm saying bowl. like. Yeah, you're I, talking I, the, about an angry bull,
0: which ob- you watch a rodeo and you're
1: like, any no, bull, I can't fight that thing. Any bull will kill me. Any dairy cow, <laughs> I will not get killed. will fight to a withdraw.
0: Fight? Yeah, because you really just can't kill it. All right. Uh, do you think you could kill a – then you get into the big animals. Can you fight like a bear, a wolf? You know, like absolutely not. You just Absolutely
1: you... not. I die in those situations. The kind of
0: people that think they can fight a bear are crazy. I don't think there's – I don't – do you think there's any human being alive that could successfully fight a bear? bear yeah. You know, no yeah. weapons? you think there's some MMA guy or some wrestler or some – It's the Marines. strong man or, yeah, Marine or somebody? Absolutely. They can defeat a bear. you
1: think so? I don't know. I don't I – I bet you there isn't. I guess it depends on the bear. This but. is – we're getting pretty far afield here of where we sort of – but I do think that you know, just as there are chess masters that can beat most – Of the top AI computer chess players, I do think there are humans out there that could defeat just about any bear. Do you think there's humans out there that could maybe defeat like a grizzly bear? I mean, you're going to need to give them something sharp. Either it's a sharp rock or a knife or whatever. Tools, yeah, but bare hands. Bare hands or whatever you can find in the ambient environment. Bare hands, you think just bare hands? I do think there are humans that can defeat the, the greatest bear. We're so much smart. We're so much smarter than the Bears. Yeah, but it's got nothing to do once you're just facing it. The the whole point of being does. smart is not
0: facing it. It's trapping it, it's leading it somewhere, it's poisoning it, it's shooting it from far away, it's baiting it with dogs. I mean, you know, human beings can I can I can kill like I always love this like, oh well, look at how intelligent these things are. Like, yeah, dude, you're showing me a documentary of a dolphin. I am so much smarter than the dolphin. I'm watching this in my home on a television, broadcast from a satellite. The dolphin has no idea about my home life. I understand the dolphin's home life. Like, <laughs> I could have that dolphin killed by anything and by a drone. A, 2,000 miles away, I could have a dolphin killed. But you put me and the bear in a ring, in a cage match where I don't have a weapon. Every human being loses. So that's the thing. Is like, okay, The Rock take, loses. John no, Cena
1: you, loses. You take the <laughs> the Rock could take anybody. Reacher loses. There's no way. Reacher, come on, he'll win. Shack like loses. I would take Shack. <laughs> okay, the thing is. <laughs> You're like, okay, let's put a human, let's pit a human versus a bear, and let's take away all the best things that humans have come up with. You might as well say, let's put a bear in that ring, and take away its claws and its teeth. Yeah, we do that. We do that with. Bullpen. If you're not going to give us drones and tools, like these are our, our inventions for fighting. This is what we've come up with. We come up with guns. We come up with knives. We come up with all this stuff. Anyway, let's move on. Pete, we get to the news? Let's do it. two items. The first is the super pig problem in Canada. Have you heard about this?
0: <laughs> I had once heard about a super pig problem in Arkansas or Alabama where they were having like wild pigs run through
1: places. Is this happening in Canada? They've got issues in the in the deep south. Yes, but this is a little different. So, in the 1980s, someone, some one of the Bretton Woods trio or who knows, somebody told Canadian pig farmers that their gene pool was thin, that they had a real problem with their pigs. And so the Canadian pig farmers in their Canuck industry, they crossbred pigs with wild boars from- Got a Dr.
0: Moreau situation happening in Canada.
1: Yep. And so they crossbred all of their Canadian pigs in order to expand the gene pool. They crossbred them with wild boars from the UK. The UK has wild boars? Yeah, evidently. So this gave all the pigs an extra rib, which, as you know, if you've ever gone to Tony Roma's or any of these spots, like <laughs> one extra rib is kind of a big deal. If you're <laughs> yeah, like, you
0: just tripled your profits, right? Like That
1: sauce is really good. And if you've got one extra rib to dip in that sweet sauce, then you're feeling real good about life. So. They crossbred them with these boars. It created an extra rib. Everybody was feeling real good about it. But in 2001, right around the time the dot-com bubble burst, the boar meat market also crashed, and the price of boar meat went down. And so farmers who had all these pigs crossed with—Canadian pigs crossed with boars— Extra rib. And with an extra rib— <laughs> They started just releasing the pigs into the wild because they're like oh, no. we Shit. we don't we don't want to feed these things we don't know what's going. I can't on. take care of this. <laughs> it's just gonna go it's, out. This is like your proverbial like New York rich kid who's flushing his alligator down the toilet, right? This happens in Florida a lot. People just release exotic pets and then they like take over. That's right. So they let them all into the wild, and so now. In 2024, there are, there's a horde of 62,000 pigs slash boars that are roaming the Canadian prairies. They reproduce rapidly, way, way, way faster than any kind of animal Canadian animal control scheme can deal with. They're highly destructive. They destroy crops. Their tusks are as sharp as steak knives, Pete. Yeah. And they weigh as much as... As wait for it, six hundred pounds. Yeah, Jesus. Can you imagine? a six
0: hundred pound tusked pig yeah. roaming free across Saskatchewan? <laughs> that's, that's awesome. I love it. I want the whole thing. I want to see, I want to see prairies of like when they, you know, like in the in the 80s when they showed us all those like caribou movies where it's just like herds of caribou
1: like rolling through the yeah. tundra. I just want to see herds of pigs. That's what's going on right now in Canada. There's this giant mass of pigs, of these like genetically modified super pigs, is what they're called. Right, with them. no predators, right? What are you going to do? What do you set on giant pigs? There's no predators, and they're super smart because Canada is not a place for predators. If you're a predator in Canada, you need to move south to the United States. Where <laughs> That's you right. Could, come come pre- down here where the action is. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but so these these pig slash boars are just roaming the countryside completely unchallenged. They're highly intelligent. They burrow under the snow when it gets cold. They're highly resistant to a lot of temperature factors and climate factors. So they burrow under the snow and they find these little dens for themselves, and so they can outlast the winter and they can do all this stuff. Are they delicious? I'm sure they're quite delicious. This sounds like a
0: like a problem that's going to solve itself somehow, right? We are going to get a (laughs) helicopter. We could kill sixty
1: two thousand pigs. Pete, here's my take. Look at Canada. Doing something interesting for a change. <laughs> this pig problem, to me, is such an American problem. Yeah, you're right. It sounds We're like, just like out
0: of Alabama.
1: That's right. It's just like we oh we had these pigs, these genetically modified pigs. We released them into the wild. They started going. We crazy. let them it's go, away,
0: an, hey, And now it's a huge thing. It's like a huge problem out there.
1: <laughs> right. It's such an American thing. My hat is off to the Canadians, Pete, for finally getting into the spirit of just like, let's do something weird and cool and self-destructive and just yeah. see where it goes. This is so far afield from what the Canadians typically do. They're just like, yeah, let's get our coffee and our donuts and whatever. <laughs> and, and like now they're like, well, let's release 62,000 <laughs> pigs to roam the Canadian prairies and just, fuck everything up
0: yeah the canadian pig army is the most fun canada's had in a while pig army that's it that's (laughs) it so i salute the
1: canadians
0: Yeah, man. Now, if this were in America, this would get a chance for everybody to polish up their AR, take it out, and kill themselves a pigs. See, can't they don't have enough guns. They're gonna have all these problems with trying to like inoculate the pigs for free and trying to get them to do this is gonna be a real problem for them. They're not gonna they're not gonna have the American solutions to their pig issue.
1: They won't, but I, but I hope that they are able to recognize that this is their first moment of genius in quite some time. Mm. Their first moment to be like, hey. We sit here sort of in, in awe of our neighbors to the south. and uh, But you know what? This time we can move something real good.
0: See, I like it the other way. I don't, I don't think it's like homage to America. I think it's like, dude, when did Canada finally get cool and decide to party? <laughs> like they've been sitting up there all of a sudden like, That's it. You know what? I've had a few. Big army. All right, America. What do you think of that? We're like, Hey, pig army, that's weird. Canada, good for you. <laughs> that's weird. Oh, we kind of respect or, that. We're over there talking to like <laughs> Ireland or something and being like, dude, I was <laughs>
1: hanging out with Canada the other night. Dude was bringing it out of this pig army problem. <laughs> they got a pig army. They got a problem with pigs. And the pigs are headed south. They're <laughs> headed over to like Minnesota. Sweet. And like You know, all these. Yeah, they're coming for us, and I love so it. you
0: know, I'm not hearing about the migrant pig caravan from the northern border coming down on us. And I feel like there needs to be more of it.
1: That's right. I do think there needs to be more of it. But my hat is off to Canada. What do you got, Pete? Okay, what's, what's your uh...
0: my hat is off to Canada for trying to act American, and now Americans are trying to act vintage American. We're we're going back to 1859, and we're gonna start denying U.S. Supreme Court rulings and coming up with our own language for secession and talking about how the states can legally secede, even though of course they can't. There was there was a whole war. Unlike Canada and its pig problem, America's civil war problem is real in the sense that we still like make major policy decisions based on these particular lines and issues out of the Constitution coming out of the horrible, horrible American Civil War. However, my favorite fun fact about the Civil War, I will explain it to you. Have you ever heard of Egyptian cotton? Sure.
1: You know what it is. I mean, it's. I assume it's cotton that comes from Egypt. Mm. Maybe a little something else mixed in there. Mm. But what what, what what is it? And
0: it's it's it is literally cotton that comes from Egypt. And it is uh, prized in a lot of especially uh, English clothes and stuff like that. You were seeing these ads where people were like, "Man, these towels are Egyptian cotton for you know whatever kind of count." You've heard that
1: before, right? Is this like what goes what something that slots in there with the thread count claim? Yeah, yeah. That? It's like
0: you know, it's like Egyptian we got cotton. two thousand
1: threads per per square inch or whatever. And it's Egyptian.
0: Yeah. Egyptian seems to be a modifier in the quality of cotton. All right. A positive. Positive. If I said something has Egyptian cotton, you think, ooh, that's a pretty good cotton. That's not just regular cotton. Sure. Right?
1: But if you said it had, you know, Cambodian cotton or Tunisian cotton, I'd be like, well, I'm interested. Okay. So here's my fun
0: fact for all of you uh, Civil War buffs out there. Actually, this is a fun fact for all you non-Civil War buffs out there. When the South seceded, part of what it thought it could do was just continue its slave labor to produce cotton because cotton produced a ton of money, especially overseas, right? They sold unbelievable amounts of cotton to England, to France, to Europe, to all these different places. You've heard this phrase from junior high if you studied American history. It's cotton is king. That's what they thought. They had the cotton gin, and they had the slaves, and they had the land, and everybody wanted this. Mm-hmm. So they decided, we'll be able to divorce the Union. And sell cotton. They ran into a couple of problems. One, the cotton the Union blockaded everything, so they couldn't get their cotton out, right? So their cotton just sat on fields and rotted. But they decided to do this with a one-on-one relationship with the United Kingdom because they knew or they believed the Confederacy believed that the United Kingdom would side with the Confederacy against the United States because they are old enemies, right? We're not that far removed from the War of 1812, right? We're only 40 years, 50 years from there. So England's still not exactly a great ally to the United States, and we sell them cotton. They say, hey, we're going to jack the price up of cotton to afford the war. They jack the price up of cotton. Unfortunately, they did this to a place that in 1859... 1860, 1865, had a massive worldwide empire and nothing but land to try growing cotton on. So England said, you know what we should do? We should try to grow our own cotton, and they had a competition. There was cotton in India, there was cotton in Egypt, there was cotton in the Netherlands, there was all this different places they put up cotton. It turns out Egyptian cotton was just as good, if not better than American cotton, and the South was hosed. They had nowhere to sell their one product that they had built their entire civilization
1: on, right? Big problem. And and fuck them to the south at that period of time.
0: Yeah, absolutely fuck them. These are guys that just said, like, slavery is God's divine right for me to have. I mean, these are terrible, terrible people. What's interesting about this, so that's my fun, where Egyptian cotton comes from is actually a, a, a makeup during the Civil War. But interestingly, once they seceded, let's say Texas right now in this particular border, whatever it is with the federal government, decides to secede or whatever. None of the state, because this kind of rogue attitude of, you know, whatever, like we know what's right and the constitution doesn't matter, this kind of lawlessness, whatever, it tends to permeate the entire system. So all of a sudden when the Confederacy didn't have its money, they just turned on each other. Right? So all of a sudden, Georgia was like, we're going to have a national day of uh, remembrance for the conservative, you know, for the Confederate states or something like that. And then no one would agree. Alabama's like, nope, our day is going to be different. You can't tell us what to do. This is about states' rights. Like, no one could get together and they just tore each other apart. And I swear to God, the exact same thing is happening. If you take a look at the, uh, not to get political, but if you take a look at the, the Republicans in in the House of Representatives right now, they're fighting each other harder than they're fighting anybody else. And the problem is, is once you take the stand of nihilism, then nothing else matters, right? It is this this fascinating trap you get into. In order to have a government of any kind, what you need is for everyone to kind of agree. And once you break off and are like, I don't need to do that. I'll do my own thing. like Everybody feels that way, so nobody can agree again. And it's like, this is exactly what's going to happen again. This little whatever Texas pooch that, uh, that Governor Abbott is trying to do is just going to end in the same way. These states cannot agree. They can't agree how to work on it. They can't agree who to farm it out to. It just becomes this chicken with its head cut off mentality because you actually really need, beyond the politics, you just need people to sort of get along and work together, right? And it's just, it's doomed to failure. And I love it. I'm just here to tell you guys, Egyptian cotton exists because of the hubris of the South. Watch what happens when Texas decides they can go somewhere. It's just hilarious. They have no idea how powerless they are. It's only within the collective that
1: any Anything matters. If you could choose, would you rather have Texas secede from the United States of America or would you rather have Cascadia secede from the United States of America? Texas. Cascadia being Washington, like like, uh, Northern California. BC to San Francisco, basically. We'll throw in BC, yeah. We'll throw in Vancouver basically. Would you rather have that become an independent nation or would you rather have Texas secede? I'd rather have Texas just disappear. Yeah, I'd rather have Texas. Or secede. would you rather Puerto Rico and Guam join as US states? Yeah,
0: I'd like I'd love. I'm, I'm all pro statehood. You guys want to come in? Let's do it
1: me too
0: i just it's weird i think it's weird for america to be like we're going to add states because it's such a period of anti-colonialist thought right but if the people want to be
1: added no i think that i think it's a real politic problem the, all the democrats want to add new states because they're they would all add multiple additional so so they to, believe so they believe that and stuff I can change <laughs> sure but puerto rico is going heavily towards the democrats
0: Well, Trump really uh, did not do a good job with Puerto Rico disaster declarations. I can't imagine them sticking by that.
1: He certainly didn't. All right, Pete, I got a little piece of news for you. a fan and a watcher of uh, Harvard University, are you not? Uh, Veritas. Veritas, yeah. I I, I don't really like it. So, <laughs> Harvard University.
0: You mean I, I went really to school in Boston? Oh, where'd you go to school? Did you? No, that's just what Harvard people say. You ever talk to Harvard people? You're like, hey, where'd no, you go I to school? Did. Did and they go, oh, I went to school in Boston. That's what they say. That's code yeah, for Yeah, no, Harvard I get that. Saying.
1: I hear that all the time. Oh, yeah, I went to school. You know what you want to do right they then? Fight them like
0: Harvard. a goddamn deer. I want to grab them by the throat yeah. and take them down. Just say it. Are you trying yeah. to make it embarrassing so you're making it a bigger deal to make me guess which fancy school you <laughs> went to, you piece of shit? Yeah,
1: anyway. Yeah, or people say I went to school in Connecticut. You're like, we all know what you're talking yeah. about. You, went to, you
0: should say you went to so, school in New Haven because it's a piece of garbage city.
1: So this, this is a slam piece on Harvard University. Good, so I like there's that. Been a big, there's been a big scandal at Harvard University. Harvard has an anatomical gifts program this is where people donate their, their dead loved ones to, the, um, to science, mm, basically. Sure. They say, we're going to send our, our uh, dead loved ones' bodies to the Harvard Medical School. Well, it turns out that in the last three years ago to like 10 years ago, people who were donating their bodies to science at Harvard Medical School, a lot of those bodies were being sold to people who collect human body parts. No.
0: There's like a body snatching trafficking issue going to. I donated my my dad's body to Harvard Science, and you sold it to a collector.
1: Yes, and none of this is sanctioned. This is all like a scandal. This is not uh, like so what's they're illegally to doing. It's M- not
0: like just the normal course of business, and no one checked.
1: Well, let's be careful about that word illegally. It's not so clear that it's illegal in many cases. However, there was this individual named Cedric Lodge who ran one of the Harvard medical school morgues this is like a 300 pound black man he was the manager of uh the harvard medical school morgue he was known by his neighbors as a guy who was always quote slightly eccentric at halloween Hmm. that is a scary way you just said
0: that sentence you said he was slightly eccentric at halloween it
1: sounds like they enjoyed unnecessary surgery (laughs) Like oh my gosh whatever's gonna happen is terrifying his Facebook profile picture was a jack-o'-lantern, and his the Zillow photos of his home show that in his home were gargoyles and other stone creatures, as well as multiple refrigerators, including, Pete, a refrigerator in his bedroom. He had a refrigerator in his bedroom. Yes. So around 2018, this gentleman, Cedric Lodge, he started in on the scheme of selling body parts to these oddity collectors are you familiar with this phrase oddity collectors no but i feel like through context i get it there's a lot of people who use human body parts to make art or else they just collect them
0: Oh, that is terrifying. Are these? Are these like? Is this like a really weird eyes wide shut thing? It's like a bunch of super rich people just have like hand ashtrays or something in their house. I don't think
1: it's a. It's a feature of like the American elite in the way that rampant Satan worshiping pedophilia clearly is a feature of the American elite. For sure, it's not that kind of, of thing. Of course, but. There is no federal law against trading in body parts. And there is a robust Facebook community, Pete, where people are trading in body parts. Trading it's what? It's illegal? Like like just back and body. forth like I've got a shin, do you what do you have? Yep. Human remains. It's not illegal. In like 7 or so states it's illegal, but there's no federal law outlawing it. It's perfectly legal in, you know, 50 43 states or so and so this was occurring what would happen is people would donate their relatives their mother their father whatever their body parts to harvard medical school quote for science and there was this guy cedric lodge who was selling them to other people in sort of the dark corners of the internet Um, and in particular to this gentleman named jeremy polly and this is where things get a little bit interesting It wasn't interesting before Well, do you have a computer in front of you? I do. Okay, so the linchpin of this scheme, the guy, the middleman, was this guy Jeremy Polly. So we're going to go on Google, and our listeners can follow along, and we're going to Google Jeremy J E R E M Y, Polly P A U L E Y. We're going to hit search. L A U Y. A U P A U L E Y. E Y. Yeah. Yep. The second thing that should pop up. Is a fox43.com, Jeremy Polly pleads guilty to conspiring to sell body parts. You see that? Yeah. I've even got one from DOJ. You see that picture? Click on the picture. Okay. You see this guy? He's 41 years old. I'm 41, Pete. Yeah. Look at this guy. You see his picture? What do you think? Fox 43. This okay, picture, wait. Hold on. Hold
0: on. I was just looking at a picture of him. I wasn't looking at the Fox 43 picture. Stand by.
1: There's a picture of him where he looks essentially like Darth Maul. Oh, Half yeah. My is- God. He's yeah, got spikes his in tattoo. his head. He
0: looks like one of the things from, one of the centibytes from Hellraiser or something.
1: Yeah, he looks, he, he's like evil incarnate. He's exactly the kind of person you think would dabble in trafficking body parts. Yeah. So you see Jeremy Polly, and our listeners can see Jeremy Polly. So this individual was the middleman. He was the main guy in this whole scheme. So he was the one who would go to Cedric Lodge and say, hey, do you got some body parts that you want to sell to me? And then he would go and he would sell them to other people online. So he lived in a, uh, a house with his wife, who was this woman who thought it was kind of cool that he did all this stuff. And he was like, oh, he's a little edgy. He's a little weird. <laughs> he's a little and, edgy. And he, would, he had this basement where he would do all his like body parts work. And he would tell his wife, quote, Just stay the fuck out of there. I don't want to hear you, bitch. Like, stay off of my side of the basement. Like, I've got a side of the basement. You've got a side of the basement. You stay the fuck out of my side. Red flag. That's a red flag. For women out there, that is a, a red flag. He eventually threatened to cut her into pieces if she came onto his side of the basement. And she got a domestic violence protection order against him, got him evicted from the house. And when she did, she went over to his side of the basement once he was safely out of the house. She found specimen jars. She found Tupperwares full of, (sighs) mysterious fluids sloshing around in Home Depot buckets, buckets full of loose organs, all kinds of stuff. And so they eventually charged this guy, Jeremy Polly, and they charged Cedric Lodge, and everybody's in uh, criminal prosecutions right now. I don't know if it's under federal law or state law or what, but they're going after these people. You want to know what the going rate is for various human organs? Yeah, desperately. What is that? $1,200 on Facebook Marketplace or whatever for two brains and a heart. <gasps> that seems low. Jeremy Polly paid $300 for a stillborn baby, oh, which he God. then turned around and traded for $1,550 plus five human skulls. So he wow. made one thousand two hundred and fifty dollars plus five human skulls from this transaction. So this is basically just human baseball cards. Yep, they're just collecting the body part. This guy would, this guy uh, Jeremy Polly would would take the human skin and turn it into a leather mm. that he would use to either bind books or make wallets. So barring some kind of plea deal, these folks are all going to trial in March and April. Oh, like the, the the law is coming for them. Whatever jurisdictional hook the feds can find or the state government or whatever. They're coming after these guys and saying, hey, you knew this stuff was stolen. This is a big problem. And here's my take, Pete. You and I, well, certainly me, I don't know about you, are you, you get ever deep into Carl Jung's um, psychology? I have read Jung,
0: yeah. I don't know how deep it's been a long time.
1: Uh, I, I like Fair. his uh, archetypes and all that. Sure, sure. So Jung has this concept of the shadow, which is this dark element in each of our Personalities are in each of our psyches, where what we allow to exist and what we, you know, spend our time with on a daily basis. But then at the same time, there's this shadow element, which is all the dark stuff, and we suppress the dark stuff and we push it deep down, and we allow, we try to allow it to not get any um, airtime um, with us. But it exists and it's there. I recently read um, The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Ooh, you read that? Yeah, friend? yeah. Robert Louis Stevenson. Yeah,
0: Stevenson. Stevenson's great. Uh, also, Stevenson yeah. has a tremendous short story that is this
1: exact situation, by the way. And I'll tell you what that book is It when you're done. Oh, well, so anyway, Jekyll and Hyde is the same kind of concept where like there's this deep, dark life force and energy that resides within all of us. That either you let it out or you suppress it. And those are kind of your two choices. And if you let it out, then, you know, society condemns you. But if you suppress it, then, you you know, you've got these issues with, with yourself. And my take, Pete, is I just thank God every day that my shadow element or my Mr. Hyde doesn't include anything that's so widely frowned upon as what Jeremy Pollard <laughs> does. Because that that gentleman is just like it's just it's really just luck of the draw, right? like you could have been born as Jeremy Polly or you could could have been born as like some pedophile who who uh prefers to you know hang out with young you know men or women or whatever, and you don't really get to choose what's in your shadow, and I'm just grateful every single day that um uh, you know my Mr. Hyde or my shadow element doesn't include something that's is just so obviously bad in the eyes of all. It's just so
0: beyond the pale of like all human understanding. Like, like the very first things human beings did was like, that makes them human beings like burying their dead. Right. Like Mm -hmm. we, we have this honor, we have this idea. Like it's so, it's just, such a betrayal to, to, to like deal like this i i mean i am trying to imagine like the victims like oh i you know my my father was a harvard man and now he's in a home depot bucket in georgia i it's just banana yeah but you're right like with this with this guy who looks like darth maul i always think about that with like when you think about people's like sexual fetishes right yeah like the people who have it the easiest are like foot people Right. Like if you're way into feet, life is great. People's feet are around all the time. It's just not hard. You know what I mean? Like you can always like, look, there's, there's, it's not really that hard to get into your fetish, right? Where you're like, dude, I'm just really into, let me give you a foot massage. I took a picture of your feet. Like it's weird or whatever, but it's certainly not, you know, the only way I can do this is next to a bucket of organs that I stole.
1: (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, like, it's (laughs) just like, you're right. Like the shadows. like, yeah, yeah. I guess just whatever you don't get you don't you don't get to pick what's in there and even the the feet people are a little unlucky right because like a foot fetish is sort of eh, a little weird but fine in general like no one's really complaining but most most folks I think and maybe this is my you know glass half full view similar to how we were talking at the top of the show about we were talking about how people generally do they think they're kind of on the path of righteousness in general. It it might be similar to that in that like most people, I don't know the stats, but probably 50 to 60 to 70% are just kind of like, yeah, you know, I like my kind of standard meat and potatoes, missionary position, whatever. Like I don't have anything that's beyond the pale, but there's quite a few folks out there jeremy polly cedric lodge being among them <laughs> who have these things that they're just like god damn it i've just got this thing and i can't i can't just suppress it yeah. i've got to let i've got to give it some latitude to to do its thing and i just can't help it and <laughs> and it's now it's for-
0: the organizing principle in my life is this unbelievably exactly. horrible thing that like even the person who's into it can't be this into it. You know, like okay. All right, man, you got to if 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 you're if you're looking at your life and like, oh man, I can't uh I just can't get away from collecting these dead bodies. Like you like somebody need, I got to I got to sit down.
1: I got to just take some stock here, man. God
0: damn it. What's happening? Yeah. Yeah.
1: All right, so that's the news. That's the news, guys. Pete, anything else to add? No, I'm
0: just now terrified of what awaits my, I'm just going to go straight up burial, just straight up, put me in a plot right there and let me just rot back into the earth. What are you doing? I'm getting
1: cremated. No question about it. Really? I want my ashes scattered to the bosom of the Pacific, Pacific Ocean, like they say in Lebig Big Lebowski. Pacific Ocean, I want them in Glacier Peak. I want them all over the mountains, wherever, all the places I love. That's where I want my ashes. How are you going to get them all those places? people are going to go do it just like i'm doing for various friends and loved ones and have done over the last uh decades because wow. once you're in your 40s people start dying you know i you guess out of those ashes yeah you gotta do something all you right do, and it helps you with it with the grieving and the moving on and so on and so forth
0: meanwhile winter continues
1: <laughs> winter continues and we hope we all survive this winter but um that's the news folks <laughs> This is like a thirty-second one. Agree or disagree? Being an adult is seventy percent paperwork and thirty percent salads. Would you add anything to that uh, mix, or uh, <laughs> do you agree? Seventy percent paperwork, thirty percent salads.
0: It's pretty good. If you can add like just like a crushing sense of deep and unimaginable responsibility that lurks just beyond your control all the
1: time. I think that's at least twenty percent. It's twenty. So it's at least
0: as much as salads.
1: So let's say fifteen percent salads. 20% deep, crushing sense of responsibility. Shadowy sense working. of responsibility
0: that cannot be overcome.
1: And all the rest is paperwork. Yeah, for sure.
0: Paperwork just keeps track of those other things.
1: Hey, thanks for listening to the Middlebrow Multiverse. If you'd like to join our army of subscribers, you can do so at patreon.com slash multiverse. There's a free option or a paid option that gives you access to bonus episodes that you might enjoy.